What if I told you that there's a cure for chronic pain? Yes, for that pain you were told you would just have to manage. And what if I told you that that cure is already inside of you? Would you believe me? Welcome to the Let's Talk Mind Body Healing podcast, where we talk about how to truly alleviate chronic suffering. I'm your host, Felicia Jaramus, and I'm really excited to be here with you for this episode today. So, this is episode five now, and in this episode, I speak to the the amazing, incredible TMS expert and podcaster, Eddie Lindenstein, and um, also someone who has overcome his own mind-body issues. So I don't feel like I have to give Eddie too much of an introduction at the start of this uh, episode because he does a pretty good job of that throughout the episode. And many of you may already know him. He was certainly very influential for me throughout my own healing journey. So his podcast, the Mind and Fitness podcast, I did listen to that quite a lot. And I'm actually really excited to have my own episode coming up on the Mind and Fitness podcast. So it might already be out now or it's coming pretty soon. But you'll notice in both episodes that I was pretty nervous. Um, Yeah, Eddie is pretty much one of my heroes, but it's interesting because I've always been a highly anxious person, but because I was so disconnected from my own body, and that I couldn't feel anything. So I had what's called alexithymia. So I couldn't feel any of my emotions or feelings in my body. It was pretty numb. That was a large part of my mind-body journey that I had to overcome. But I never felt any of my anxiety in my body. It was always in my mind. And I was really good at managing that anxiety, the sort of racing thoughts and things like that. I would channel that into being hyper-focused. I would hyper-focus on things and that's how I would manage that. But since I've been working on my mind-body connection and learning how to feel things again, I have started to feel anxiety in my body and that is a whole new ball game. It's a whole new world to navigate and (laughs) it has been challenging. So speaking to Eddie, I was very anxious um, you know, and yeah, I'm learning to navigate that. And that's something that I guess we all need to navigate. Um, But, you know, it was also because I was really excited. So excitement and anxiety actually present similarly in the body. And yeah, anyway, I won't dwell too much. I will, of course, give you my usual disclaimer And then we'll jump straight into the episode. And this is a great one. It's full of so much good stuff. Eddie is, yeah, he's great. Oh, and uh, quickly, also, don't forget, if you haven't already, to give the show a like or a follow on the Facebook or Instagram page. So the handle for both of those pages is at Let's Talk Mind Body Healing. So all 
one word. And don't forget to rate and review if you're enjoying the show to help spread the word, um, get more people listening and help more people know that there is hope. Uh, Chronic pain doesn't have to be the end. There's hope. There is way more hope than we've often been led to believe than traditional healthcare would lead us to believe. Anyway, so um, on to the disclaimer and then on to the episode with Eddie. I hold my doctorate in education, but I'm not a medical doctor. All the content I provide in any medium, including but not limited to this podcast, is for informational purposes only. No content provided by me is intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice. The purpose is to promote broad understanding and knowledge of various health topics. If you choose to use any information provided by me, you do so solely at your own risk. Always seek the guidance of your doctor or qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding your health or a medical condition. Do not embark on a mind-body healing journey till you have clearance from your healthcare practitioner to do so, and until you have discussed how to apply mind-body healing to your own individual case with your healthcare practitioner. Uh, Welcome to the Let's Talk Mind Body Healing podcast. I'm your host, Felicia Jaramus, and today I have the pleasure of being here with Eddie Lindenstein. Um, So Eddie is a little bit of a celebrity to me, I would say. I've listened to his podcast a bunch of times, Um, so I couldn't be any more excited, but also really nervous to have him here with me. Um, So thank you so much, Eddie, for agreeing to come and have a chat with me today. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here. So um, just to get us started, could you just introduce yourself a little bit to our listeners? Yeah. Um, so Eddie Linenstein, I live um, in Seattle, Washington, or near Seattle, Washington in the States. And uh, I have a podcast that's had, a, I don't know when this is going to air, but let's just say 170 episodes um, called the Mind and Fitness Podcast. And it's on all major podcast apps, um, which started as just like a fitness related weightlifting CrossFit kind of uh, show. And then about five episodes in, I had Nicole Sachs, um, who's the author of the, uh, the meaning of truth on, and it got such a positive reception that I was just thinking, this has got to be the future of what this podcast is. And then the next 165 or so episodes, um, of the podcast were all about mind body stuff. So I've had really just about every expert on earth. Um, that's, that's still alive. Um, on to talk about it from the doctors to the mind body coaches to psychotherapists and then some of really the coolest um, recovery stories that I have ever seen have all come across uh, on the podcast so it's been really cool to to do that for the last few years yeah it's an incredible uh, podcast I've listened to it so much uh, throughout my healing recovery for sure Um, so how was it that you ended up in the TMS world Um, so I, uh, I sort of had like a, like a two year 
run of just sort of like injuries plaguing me over and over again. And I'm, uh, I'm an athlete. I do Olympic style weightlifting. Um, I train, I train the snatch and the clean and jerk. And, uh, it was like towards the summer, it was like the summer of 2015. Um, I started just, it was kind of, it was just like a cascade. It was like one injury after the other. And I think it started with, um, maybe like a bicep or shoulder issue. And then, uh, it turned into a, sorry about that sound. Um, and then it evolved into a knee problem and then the knee problem solved itself. And, um, and then I had a shoulder, uh, dislocation when I was training, I was training for a competition and, uh, had a shoulder dislocation and, um, finished the training session and, uh, you know, felt reasonably good, but like the next day it really started, uh, um, my shoulder just really started to ache. And I spent the, uh, better part of a couple of months seeing a couple of different doctors and getting some, um, some different types of shots in my shoulder and getting a various diagnosis. I mean, even when I went and got an MRI done, um, I met with three different doctors and they all gave me three different diagnoses and two of the three recommended surgery. And, um, I ended up actually having the surgery. I, the, the surgeon got in there and, um, found that I had a torn labrum, uh, what's called a bank heart lesion, uh, which is kind of like the bottom inside of your shoulder, like where your armpit is really. So I tore my labrum there, um, tore my rotator cuff and also broke my arm, uh, broke the humerus at the right where the shoulder joint, um, meets, and it's interesting because in the period of time between when I had the dislocation and when the surgery happened, it was almost six months. It was about five, five and a half um, months. And um, thinking back now, one of the things that uh, still really resonates with me, uh, that still really resonates with me is just the whole thought that um, by the time that I got to surgery, I was like, I felt like 95 to 99% pain-free, um, which is really interesting situation, but my, you know, my mind just kept playing games with me and telling me that it, you know, it's because, uh, it's maybe because you haven't pushed yourself as hard or things like that. But in retrospect, I think really the injury just healed and that I would have been fine to go without surgery. And if I could take back time, I would take, take back that time. But I had, uh, I had my shoulder rebuilt and it was about, I was told six months of, um, or sorry, eight to 10 months of rehab is probably what it would take. Um, post-surgery to get back to starting the activities that I wanted to do, which was train weightlifting again. Um, I recovered uh, and was cleared for all activity in about four and a half months. So I got through really quickly um, on recovering, but the week that I was cleared for all activity, I started getting these really bad um, neck and back spasms. And I had some sciatica issues going on and I was getting a lot of numbness in my fingers and, and things like that. So um, I just thought that I re-injured my shoulder and you know, just thought these last few months have really just been a weight, a giant, you know, ginormous waste of time, basically. Um, and I went from doctor to doctor, I said 25 different medical professionals, uh, until finally a doctor had told me that, um, you know, despite the EMG test that showed a lot of problems happening in my neck, uh, it had a neck surgery in that time, uh, or a neck procedure in that time. Um, so all different kinds of uh, therapists and had these different procedures done and, and things like that. Um, but I ended up seeing a doctor who's a, she's a really well-known, um, like college athletics physician out here in the United States. And, uh, she had asked me what my stress life was like, what my stress levels were like. And it was just kind of a completely different way of thinking about, um, pain. And it, I felt it was a little far-fetched. Uh, and then a few weeks later, I was researching like mobility back pain relief tools on uh, Amazon and healing back pain came up as a suggested purchase. And um, 
I went and I just read the reviews. I just thought, why does this book have 2000 <laughs> reviews that are so mm-hmm. glowingly positive? Um, and I read the book and I just thought, this is like, this is totally the ticket. I've somehow missed the boat, but this is totally it. Uh, and so I read it and maybe two or three days later, um, just got right back to full activity. I didn't, uh, I didn't hold back at all. I got back right back into weightlifting training and starting super light with the weights, just because it had been so long since I had picked up a barbell. Um, but, and I, it, it's not like I was cured or healed or whatever overnight, but it was a big enough dent in my pain. Let's say 40% of my pain was gone. 50% of my pain was gone. Um, that I knew that like, this is definitely the route. And a few months later was when I started the podcast and I quit my job uh, overnight, really. I'd been at this company for a long time, six or seven years at that point. It was making really, really good money, but just felt like, you know, this is sort of the time to flip my life um, on its head and we'll see what happens. Wow. (laughs) I feel like that's a really common theme with TMS stories. There's this big life flip people. It's almost like a wake up call. I've heard it called. So was yeah, that yeah, was that sort of it for you, the Sano book? Like, were you in or were there issues with belief after that? Um, the only time when I, I definitely had my, my ins and out moments um, because I had, when I read the book, it was like late June of that year. Um, and I, you know, a, a few weeks passed or a month passed and I wasn't 100%. I still was having issues. And so, you know, I'd dip back and I would see a chiropractor and then, um, he would, he or she would do a treatment and I would feel worse. And so that's sort of where I peeled back and I was like, no, that's definitely not the answer. And then six or eight months would go by. And then same thing, I'm still having some, some pain issues or I'm getting this sudden, you know, flood of pain, you know, what is it? And I would go and see a physical therapist and then that I, I would either stay the same or I would get worse. And so I would peel back. So I kind of played this game for a good, probably year or so. Um, and then eventually, uh, I started just seeing a lot more connections between, um, things that were going on in my life or maybe thoughts that I was having or, uh, obsessive thoughts could be about anything. It could just be, um, I'm thinking a lot about buying a different cell phone or buying a different car or any time that my brain felt full, I would start to get back pain or I would start to get knee pain or I would start to get something. Um, and less and less over time that I pay much attention to it. And uh, so much, in fact, that uh, I had a relapse probably isn't the best word because I never had like low back pain, which I know a lot of people really struggle with that. Um, but a couple of years ago, a couple summers ago, uh, just before I was going to go take this long motorcycle trip uh, throughout Canada with some friends of mine, um, I was at the gym and I was lifting a really absurdly lightweight, you know, I, I lifted four times that weight, no problem. Um, but my lower back just uh, sent me to the ground immediately. I, um, it hurt so bad and it was shooting pains and nerve issues and all that kind of stuff. And um, because it had been so long since I had some kind of an issue, uh, like a pain issue that had really debilitated me. Um, I took a, I didn't go and see anybody, but a friend of mine had a pretty similar issue and I just did what she did, which was take, uh, I took a week completely off of doing any activity and then just really slowly built over the course of a month or a couple of months. Um, and this same thing happened three weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, uh, where I was doing a lift and suddenly just shot into my lower back and I was on the ground for 35 minutes. Um, but I was texting friends of mine in the TMS space that I, you know, just telling them, Hey, here's what happened. I know this is total BS. Um, 
and I'm not going to treat it the way that I did before. It was already a planned rest day the next day anyway. So I just took the next day off. Um, but I was right back to it two days later. Um, and I was, I mean, the pain was entirely gone four days after that. Um, and to go from, it's such like a different headspace because if it's somebody that doesn't know about TMS or Dr. Sarno or any of this stuff, if they were to be hit with a jolt of pain that sent them on the floor and completely disabled them to where they couldn't stand up for half hour, like that sounds really scary. That's probably when a lot of people would call 911 or um, I don't know what the equivalent is in Australia, but call uh, urgent care or a hospital or something. Yeah, it's triple zero. Okay, triple zero. Perfect. Yeah. I'm gonna have. I'm gonna. I'm gonna use that from now on. Triple zero. I actually like that a lot better than nine one one. But, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's that's a really scary thing. And and I ended up, uh, you know, I I just didn't pay any attention to it. I read um, parts of healing back pain that night, uh, and I just chilled out in my room and watched some TV and, uh, and just knew that it would be gone. I just didn't really pay much attention to it. And I'm a big believer in like somatic work, like somatic experiencing and somatic tracking. I'd say it's probably my number one go-to um, of really anything that's out there in the TMS space. Um, and like I said, it was gone in three or four days and I'm, I just set an all-time uh, personal record in the bench press yesterday. And that was eight years since I had set a record in that um, since I'd been able to beat it. And that's, I'm, you know, eight years isn't a long, it's not a really long time, but you know, I'm in my mid thirties now. And so to be able to lift more and be stronger in my mid thirties past all this stuff than I was in my twenties is something I, I think is pretty awesome. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. Um, so I have three things there from what you've just said. Um, the first is, so obviously your second kind of uh, what would you call it? A relapse was a lot faster recovery than your first one. Yep. So you during your first one, did you have the thought at all that it was TMS? Uh, yeah, definitely. I, I was, you know, super involved in the space and my podcast was getting listened to by tens of thousands of people every week by that time. Um, so I, I was pretty sure I knew what it was, but the small piece of me was also, um, Hey, you have been really putting your body through a lot in the last few months with, uh, with training. And so, you know, it's not going to kill you to take a break. You're going on a trip anyway. Um, so I didn't, I wasn't like sweating it. Uh, mm. Basically, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I didn't really apply anything to it. I wasn't, you know, I didn't jump in and start journaling or anything like that. And I wasn't worried. And I think that that's maybe the bigger thing um, is just not being worried. You know, these, even just the smallest injuries, some knee tendonitis or some shoulder tendonitis or something five years ago would have like my day would have been ruined. My week would have been ruined. My month would have been ruined. Um, it, it's just, you know, really like how my body felt really dictated how my, just what my overall calm and my peace of mind was, which is a really shitty place to be. If you're, um, if you're somebody that suffers from chronic pain, meaning that it happens all the time, yeah. uh, to have that really invade your headspace and have that dictate how you feel, you know, it's really like a two prong effect, but if I can get into a place now where my, any, pain or sensation that I would feel in my body doesn't dictate my mood, then that's a really good place to be. Because with this one that, that happened a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, I, I might lean over to like put my youngest daughter in her crib or something, and I might feel this jolt of pain and like, it's a legitimate laughing response from me. So it's not getting any, you know, it's not a despair. It's not anything like that. Even when it first happened and I picked up my barbell and I fell over, you know, I hit the ground, my daughter heard me she ran downstairs, uh, was my oldest daughter ran downstairs, asked me if I was okay. And I was just on the ground in agony, but I was laughing about it, which sounds like kind of 
sick and sociopathic and all that stuff. But um, I just knew there was nothing to it. And that's like, that's a pretty powerful place to be in. Yeah, I, I agree. And the, the laughing doesn't sound sick at all. It's sort of reminds me of the, you know, come on, TMS, come at me. Is that all you've got? Like, yep. that's sort of how I look at my own when things happen. It's, you know, is that all you've got, yeah. brain? Yeah, well, that's that's actually what I, it's almost exactly what I said to myself. I said, that's the best you got, you know? Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you know, it might be a little bit more cunning. Like, why not pick a different place? Why not have my, you know, why not have my foot hurt a ton? Or, you know, somewhere that has that, that never hurt. Have my wrist start to hurt, right? But when it's in the same spot it was, you know, two years ago, like, uh, you know, the, the jig is up. And um, again, I just, the, I can't reiterate the feeling of power that that really gives. And I think the more times that somebody kind of goes through this over and over again, the more reinforced and the stronger that their mind and their being becomes, they almost become like a, you know, like a superhero, about as close as they can to it. Um, and it also allows me to try just much more daring things in general, like, uh, like good example, I've got an electric skateboard that goes about, uh, I'll, I'll, use the Australian terminology, about 30 kilometers per hour, which is fast on a skateboard. Um, and uh, I have- That, I have, that is pretty fast, actually. Yeah, I, I haven't ridden it in like five and a half months because the weather here has been so terrible. And um, But we're just, we're about to get into spring in the next few days. And um, I went yesterday and I just hopped right on it, and rode and had it in the expert mode and, you know, did all the normal fast tricks and all that kind of stuff that I would have done five months ago. But I wouldn't have had the courage to do that five years ago because I just know like, Hey, if I fall off the skateboard, I'll get some abrasions or whatever. But ultimately like, look, I've been through the ringer and really nothing's going to hurt me bad enough to where I'm going to be suffering from it for a long time. So I'm just not really worried about it, which again, to some people that's going to sound kind of, you know, I, I have a lot of friends that are very cautious people. I have a lot of family that are just very cautious people in general. And they don't understand that side of me that just kind of says like, you know, you, you can't hurt me. So uh, you can't hurt me for long anyway. So I'm really not scared of whatever it is that life has to offer. Yeah. I think going through the TMS sort of journey sort of flips your idea of health and wellness on its head. And, yep. you know, in myself, like the sheer amount of pain and suffering that like my body went through and it's like, well, I'm okay. Like there's, there was nothing wrong with me. Like you know, you get better. Like our bodies are so strong. Yep. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and the second thing I had from before um, was the idea of the somatic experiencing. So I think you and I are very similar in that, in that it's, you know, going in and I think you call it the Stark reactor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's actually, I, that's probably my favorite technique and the one I go to all the time. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't invent the idea. Uh, I kind of stole the idea from, it's sort of like an intersection of uh, Alan Gordon, who um, he runs the pain psychology center in Beverly Hills, California. And uh, Adam Heller, who ironically lives up the road from there, he lives in Laguna Beach, but he wrote the book um, Zero Pain Now. Yeah, I've read that one. Yeah. So, pro I mean, I honestly think it's the most underrated of all of them. And it doesn't have great reviews because people think, think that he's a slimy salesman because of how much he charges for his services. But like, look, that's the, that's the deal. If his time is worth that, then it's worth that. And uh, that's just the way that it is. But um, I, so Peter Levine is a, a pretty well-known um, 
person of authority in the field of somatic experiencing. You can find mm-hmm. a lot of videos of his on YouTube and a lot of the really, really good videos I feel like that he does um, are with like, uh, like PTSD soldiers, um, you know, people that were in combat and maybe they survived an explosion or things like that. And he kind of has them go back to that imagery and those terrible situations in their mind and have to sit there and live through it. And you can tell a lot of times these people's eyes are closed as they're doing it. And he's kind of helping them get through it. Um, but you can see the discomfort. You can see them shifting in their chair. You can see them not want to go to that place. But then ultimately when they go there and they can sit there with that, uh, you start to see whatever symptoms it was that they had before, whether it's anxiety or it's depression or it's a physical issue. Um, those symptoms start to dissipate rapidly. And the other thing that I'm thinking of is there's a, a, a biologist who wrote a book called Why Zebras Don't Have Ulcers. And um, it's very, it's kind of a geeky book, but my mom's a biologist. And so even though I'm not a math or a science guy, like I did, I did really get into this particular book because one of the things it talked about is if you observe animals in the wild, let's say it's an elk or it's a buffalo or it's a, a cow or it could be anything that's out in the wild and it gets attacked or, or it gets some kind of a threat. Let's say an alligator jumps out of the water or, you know, and takes a big bite out of them. Um, if you observe them after the threat has left, uh, you know, they, they may have a gaping hole in their torso, um, but they do kind of this violent shake, meaning they're not keeping that trauma or the issue inside of them. And then they walk away and that trauma has no, has now left the body. And that's very much what Peter Levine is working on. Um, And the reason the book is called why zebras don't get ulcers is that the zebra gets attacked in the wild. It has this violent shake to sort of reset the system and then it leaves. And because it doesn't hold on to that, it doesn't get an ulcer and ulcers were really big 20 or 30 years ago. And then once people realized that it was a, a stress induced issue, uh, you started seeing way fewer ulcers occurring. So it's that idea. And what I do in my personal practice is that, uh, and I usually will do this right before I fall asleep. And I inevitably always get the best sleep of the week when I do this. And ever since the thing with the back, um, a few weeks ago, I've done this every night and sometimes it lasts five minutes and sometimes it lasts 30 seconds. And then I fall asleep and that's it. But, uh, I just sort of I lay there oftentimes on my side and I just close my eyes and I, I really lock my attention onto where like the solar plexus of the sternum is, um, you know, kind of think about that space in between your uh, belly button and your, um, and your neck or your chest. And I just really pay as close of attention to that as I possibly can. Um, and ultimately what happens is I start to, it doesn't take long. I start to get a burning feeling or a swirling feeling, or it's just a feeling of discomfort. And again, five years ago, if that same thing happened, it would feel like an anxiety attack was coming on. And, you know, when you have something like that happen, you're trying to get away, you're trying to flee the situation. But I just sit there and I allow myself to keep feeling it, experience it, just like the soldiers with, with Peter Levine. Um, and ultimately, after, like I said, 30 seconds or five minutes or one minute or five or two minutes or whatever, um, that feeling gets less and less and less and less. Um, and it just puts me to sleep. And uh, I, I noticed the more that I did that with the back thing, this rapid recovery, um, which is something I didn't do with that instance that happened a couple of years ago. Again, I didn't, I wasn't worried about it, but I also didn't do anything with it. I just kind of let it do its healing thing. And that was it. In this case, I applied just the somatic stuff. I think the first night it happened, I maybe made a list of the things that um, could be potential issues of rage or anger um, on night one. But that list wasn't long. I probably spent four minutes on it. 
Um, but really it's the somatic stuff. And I would wake up and I would feel drastically better. And then I wake up the next day and feel drastically better. And then, like I said, three or four days go by and I don't feel anything. Um, so, and I, the reason I call it the Stark reactor is because I'm a big uh, superhero nerd and uh, Tony Stark's um, reactor is right in the exact spot that I'm visualizing. It's, it's, you know, right in the middle of his chest or just below the middle of his chest. And um, again, relating it back to the superhero talk from earlier, I, I feel like it's appropriate and it helps people identify where exactly they should be visualizing when they're doing this. Yeah. It's a pretty great uh, metaphor, the Stark reactor. I think it's a good um, visual. Yeah. Um, I must say I'm a little jealous that it puts you to sleep. I'm not yet at that stage, um, <laughs> but it is certainly very relaxing and I do sleep way better when I do do it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so that was sort of, you use that to help you out of your latest, um, relapse um, yep. but what does a sort of you know average kind of what's your maintenance I guess strategy um, I mean to be honest I don't really have one and it was funny the week before this happened I, I recorded a solo podcast and I literally said on there that I hadn't done anything um, maintenance wise I didn't do any somatic stuff I didn't do any journaling I didn't do any meditation I didn't there was just nothing that I, uh, <laughs> that I was doing. I, and I was talking about that. And I, I think I even may have alluded to um, having a, obsessive thoughts about things again. Because uh, at the time, I was having this great debate about getting um, or about swapping my big giant motorcycle for a much smaller motorcycle to go and do more challenging technical off-road work and jumps and all that kind of stuff. And it's just not conducive with the size of the motorcycle I have now. But, you know, some people are doing a search like that and it just kind of is what it is. And, you know, they're not really stressing too much about it. For me, it was all the research. It was calling every dealership in my state. It was uh, looking at plane tickets to go fly to several states away to pick one up and come back, which, um, again, that that inherently is not a bad thing. But when I latch onto something, I can tell that, there's something deeper there and I'm not attending to myself. And mm. so the way that some people repress is maybe they do drugs or maybe they drink a lot, or maybe they go have a lot of promiscuous sex with a lot of people, or maybe which, you know, I'm not saying any of those things are bad things, but for me, that's the kind of stuff that I do is I'll latch on to certain thoughts and, and I just can't let them go. Um, so that should have been enough uh, warning for me to say, hey, you just need to attend to yourself a little bit. Um, and to me, attend to yourself, the best thing that you can do is doing the somatic stuff because there is no, I mean, you're paying absolute undivided 1 million percent attention uh, to yourself for a few minutes a day. Um, that's enough. And like I said, I've done it every night since this happened a couple of weeks ago and um, it's paid its dividends because like I said, yesterday I set a eight year long personal record in the bench press. And tomorrow I was just texting somebody that tomorrow, the weights that I have on my program for the snatch and the clean and jerk and the squat, um, are more than anything I've done in three years. And, uh, you know, so hopefully I'll get the batteries fully recharged tonight and I'll have a good session tomorrow. That's the plan. How incredible is that though? You sort of great self-awareness and just knowing that, you know, this is when I need to attend to myself. Yeah. It, it's, uh, it takes up a, a lot of attunement um, but the cool thing is that it's something anybody can do. They don't have to spend a dime to do it. Um, and it feels, I mean, honestly, like it feels good. Um, you know, I, I guess that's the, the best that I can say is that, you know, that's the, I think like 
oftentimes you, you know, you look on social media and it's like hashtag self-care and it always has to do with somebody taking a bath or oh, yes. going to get a facial <laughs> or like their nails done. And that stuff like has its place certainly. Um, but it's, you know, that's still really not a- attending to yourself. Um, at least in a way that I feel is, is as intimate as this. Yeah, I completely agree with you. So we might move on now and talk a little bit more about your podcast. Yeah. Um, so you've sort of spoken about it a little bit already, but yeah, can you just give us a little bit more information about it? Yeah, so um, it is, it's funny, every, every few weeks I kind of hit this wall a little bit where I just say, um, I don't know what else I can talk about in this TMS (laughs) realm or who else I can find. And then inevitably I get an email from somebody that would be a great guest or they heard about um, like as an, or I, or I get certain opportunities that I wouldn't otherwise get to maybe help a broader range of people just with doing this over and over again. I sort of feel like it's the equivalent of, you know, going to graduate school, but getting to do it in this way, because I am getting to talk to all these experts and actually funny comparison with the graduate school thing is that uh, I was asked by the University of Rochester, um, the school for psychotherapy uh, in New York, if I could do a lecture for these PhD students, which is next week. And um, I mean, I went to college. Do, are you going to do it? Yeah, I'm doing it. It's, it's Wednesday oh, how incredible. How incredible. Yeah. So, um, so the, like I went to university, I have a degree, but I never went to um, I never got an advanced degree, but I'm speaking to all of these <laughs> future psychotherapists about uh, chronic pain recovery um, because their uh, their uh, professor um, had listened to the podcast. And then the way that I heard about him was a listener said, hey, I was reading psychology today or counseling today or something like that. And there's an article in here by this um professor in New York that talks about your podcast in it. And they sent me the, the archived issue of it. And I said, so I read the article and I emailed the guy and I was like, Hey, you know, thanks for mentioning me. And, um, he, you know, we talked for 30 or 45 minutes and he, uh, asked me if I would speak to his students at the end of the spring. Um, I guess this would be the winter, winter quarter semester or something like that. Um, I said, absolutely. So it's me and uh, there's one or two other people that are going to do engagements for the class next week. Um, but it's things like that. And then, and then also like the way that I format the podcast a lot of times is like one week I'll have a guest and then the next week I'll, I'll run a solo show. Guests usually are like 40 to 40 to 60 minutes for interviews most of the time. Um, if I'm doing a solo show, I try to keep it 15 or 20 minutes, something that's just very digestible, easy for somebody to listen to on a walk. Um, and that kind of thing. Uh, and a lot of times when I do these solo episodes, I'll walk into the other room and I'll tell my wife, like, that episode sucked. And <laughs> I don't think, I don't, you know, I got lost, I got lost in my thoughts and I don't know what anybody's even going to think of it. And usually the, when I make those statements, those are the episodes that get the most traction, a bunch of thank yous, people saying that that one changed their life and all this stuff. And um, so, you know, who, who knows what a winning recipe is. I've started to recently do more, um, like ask me anything episodes where there's a couple of Facebook groups I'm involved in that are part of TMS. And I'll just post, Hey, I'm going to record a ask me anything episode um, either this week or next week. And what do you guys want me to talk about? And um, in the beginning, when I would do these, I might get three or four questions or comments And the last couple of them that I've done. It's been like 30 or 40. And what's nice is that it's telling me what do the people want to hear about, but then two, yeah. it's, it's not having me try and make a, you know, make a guess on, where I should go with a particular episode because I could just use the 
because you know I've got a million stories on this stuff, and I've got a, a million anecdotes from experts that I can touch on. Um, and then sometimes if I uh, I've got a really good network now of either it's a physical therapist that's really involved in the TMS stuff, and um, I might be able to contact them to make like I've, I've reached out to like Jim Prusak, who's the the pain PT. And just say, hey, here's a topic that I'm thinking about talking about. Do you mind just, you know, record it in your car? I don't need great audio, but just three or four minutes on this topic. And then I'll send it to me and I'll play it at the beginning of a podcast. And then I'll start to talk through it. Um, the only snag that I have found in my show is the theme song, which I've talked about recently. Uh, I, I have to say, though, I actually liked your old theme song. I, I, I did, too. But it's been there for, you know, four years and it's been in my life now for 15. So it was kind of like, uh it, no, was really, different. it was really distinctive and it was yeah. like, you know, my husband would be like, what are you listening to? And I'm like, I'm listening to the podcast with that theme song. And he would know exactly <laughs> what I was talking about. Yeah, that's funny. Um, so, so yeah, so the theme song, there was, uh, gosh, I wish that I could remember the name of the program this guy used, but uh, I had a buddy in um, California who was a, like a music producer and a rapper. And I said, Hey, I'm going to start this YouTube show. Do you mind, um, making a theme song for me and he's like well what are you thinking of and like you know like hip-hop centric something that's a little bit more of a banger something with a little bit more bass and um he went in and just whipped up this theme in five or six minutes on this program i think it was called fruity pebbles i think is what it was actually called uh but he made it and i think he was expecting several re revisions that i'd be asking for and i was like oh this is perfect so i played it um for the first you know, few episodes of this YouTube show that I did. And uh, I really, really loved it. And then when I started the podcast, I was like, immediately, this has got to be the theme for it. Um, and I think the first time someone wrote a review on iTunes, I got a one out of five star <laughs> review from them. And what they said was, you know, amazing podcast, great topics, great, you know, uh, subject matter and interviews with the experts and all that stuff. But the theme song is insensitive to the listener experience. And I was thinking, wait a second. So all this stuff is great. But that 20 second theme song ruined the whole thing for you enough to give me a one out of five. So that was kind of the first time that I uh, had an experience like that. And um, but in the span of a couple of weeks, I got three or four additional emails of people saying the same thing. And I'm just like, OK, I will uh, I'll, I'll go out there and see what else is out there. But it's not easy to commission a theme song if you're not an artist. So like I'm not an artist. And so you know, asking somebody, and then a, a listener, and I think she was in Norway, Norway, Denmark, somewhere. Um, but her son is a producer. And uh, she sent me this really nice message on Instagram, maybe three weeks ago. And she said, Hi, this is Irina. And I listen to your podcast. And I love it. Um, I asked my son to make a theme song for you. And so uh, can I email it to you? And I told her absolutely. And I sent her my address. And she sent me the theme song. And I was like, this is great. This is perfect. Um, so I've been using that ever since. And, you know, like what a wild tale, right? To do this podcast where the original theme came from a buddy in, in California, in the United States. And then several years later, you get reviews from people probably somewhere else in the world that say, hey, change your theme song. And then a listener from across the world has her son, who's a music producer, make a theme song to then use on my podcast. Like, you know, how, how cool is that? Like, that's a really cool story. That's pretty incredible. It's something like, it's one of those stories that you couldn't even make up. Like I know. Couldn't imagine it. Yeah. It's absurd. <laughs> I th- <laughs> yeah. Um, so you sort of hinted at before that you have had the pleasure of speaking to so many different people with so many different um, stories. 
Yeah. And and I guess I think when people first enter the mind-body world, one of the obstacles is often this questioning, you know, can what I have be mind-body? Are yep. the symptoms of my specific condition something that can be mind-body? Yep. You know, and when you get to the other side, sort of like you understand that the answer is pretty much always yes. Yep. Um, you know, I see TMS everywhere. But can you give us some insight, I guess, into the sort of people you have spoken to and the diverse amount of things that they have recovered from? Yeah, I would say on the, um, so Dr. Sarno in his books would talk about really the exceptions to TMS. He would say uh, rheumatoid arthritis, um, autoimmune issues, which rheumatoid arthritis is a, it's an autoimmune issue. Um, he would say infections. Uh, he would say a bone fracture and he would say cancer slash tumors were uh, exemptions. Um, but it's interesting. I've had a psychotherapist on who had rheumatoid arthritis. Um, she said that she doesn't necessarily know if TMS is what started it, but what she could confidently say is that when her relationships were better in her life, you know, boyfriend that was really, really nice, treated her super well, this kind of stuff, her symptoms of rheumatoid arthritis disappeared. Um, and I feel like that's a really compelling argument. And Nicole Sachs mm -hmm. has the same thing, has the same kind of feedback when she talks to somebody that has, you know, lupus or Crohn's or, and I've had another guy who had Crohn's disease, um, that was on just a few weeks ago that was talking about how his Crohn's disappeared with Dr. Sarno's work. So, um, uh, what, what's his name? Howard Stern said, this is really the mother load when it comes to help, uh, or to, to health. And I think it really is. Um, I had another psychotherapist on Liz Wallenstein, um, who is a cancer survivor. Uh, and she said, I don't necessarily believe that the cancer is what caused my TMS, but she went on to say that uh, if um, if I didn't have the Dr. Sarno or TMS tools, I wouldn't have survived my cancer. So um, even if it's not where the origination is, uh, it in all likelihood is um, is maybe what could help aid, resolve, diminish symptoms. Um, and then I get you know most of the time it's people that are reaching out to me to say that they're having a variety of you know body aches or, you know, they've had back pain for 20 years or 30 years or whatever. But I had a, a guy who's an attorney who had two like a two level cervical spine fusion and he had 25 years of pain. Um, and just, you know, he would, he was in agony all the time and then stopped riding his motorcycle. He knew I was an avid motorcycle rider and he listened to my podcast and we exchanged some emails and he's fully done with pain. Um, and that's a guy that's, you know, and he's 50 years old or 60 years old or whatever he is. Uh, I remember a mom reached out to me a couple of years ago, two or three years ago, and said her, her senior and high school son was getting ready to go play college basketball. Um, but he can't, he doesn't have good movement in his arms anymore. And his shoulders are on fire all the time. And we've seen so many doctors and he's been diagnosed with compartment syndrome. I actually think if you Google compartment syndrome, that's like one of the, one of the scarier visual um, issues that I've ever seen. And I uh, talked to her son, um, and then about a month or two later, I got an email from her that um, said, Brandon's fine. He doesn't have symptoms anymore, and he's playing college, uh, college basketball, and uh, you know, I want to thank you for everything you did for our family. Um, so things like that are, are really cool, just being able to like, you know, reach people in a way and give them, because I, I think that you would agree that um, to really like, like there's certain gifts, like I could walk up and I could give you a hundred dollars Starbucks gift card, right? Like that's 
super nice mm. of me. And you're going to think I'm a great guy because I gave you that. But if somebody can walk up to another person who's had 20 or 25 years of debilitating pain where they can't do their, their legal job, or they're somebody that uh, can't go and play their college sport um, anymore because of the, the pain issues that they're having. And you literally can put, push them in a direction or give them guidance on how to get rid of that forever so they can go do their thing again. And so that, uh, so that this guy can go ride his motorcycle again. Um, you know, that's pretty invaluable. And I'd say that's way better than a Starbucks gift card. Um, if I had to say like yeah. between, you know, between gifts. And so I've heard stories all over the gamut. I, I get probably two to five emails a week or messages or Facebook messages or Instagram messages or whatever um, from people of all, all across the world. I can remember South Korea. I remember Japan. I remember the Ukraine. I remember all over Europe, um, Australia, New Zealand, um, listeners just from all over the place, Sri Lanka, where uh, they just said that they have had these debilitating issues that are now gone and they attribute it to my podcast. I've got mentions now and probably a half dozen books or novels that have been written on, even if their topic's not related to TMS, of people that credited me for, you know, in one way or another for their recovery, uh, which is funny, just being a 35-year-old girl dad that sells software in the Pacific Northwest, but it's, it's, uh, it's where we are, so. Absolutely couldn't agree more that this is the best gift you could give anyone. Yeah. So I'm actually going back to school to study like psychology and therapy and stuff now awesome. so I can do this forever. But like, yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's incredible. Also, a little side note, my husband will love that you mentioned Ukraine because he's Ukrainian. So oh, cool. <laughs> okay. to throw that in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all over the world. In fact, there was a, um, where was it? There was a, I remember the first kind of wow moment and I wish I could remember. Oh, Okay. I'm going to make sure I get the uh, pronunciation of this correct. But the first real wow moment for me came a few months into doing the podcast where I got an email from a listener in Burkina Faso, which I'd never heard. I couldn't tell you where Burkina Faso was. I had no idea where it was. And it turns out that it's um, it's in Africa. And then I've gotten uh, emails and messages from people that are in like um, their like in the middle of the Atlantic, uh, Atlantic ocean on some obscure Island that I didn't know the name of Cape, you know, Cape Verde and stuff like that. I interviewed somebody not long ago that was from a, a tiny little Island just outside of Italy. And, um, yeah, again, it's just kind of on and on and on. And it's, you know, that's like the coolest, most gratifying thing for sure. How amazing this sort of global impact you're having on people. Yeah. Yeah. Just like wanted to reiterate there the point though that like this work it's so powerful all of these stories really are just proof that it's you know you can do it you know yep yeah. definitely okay so that's the patient side of things um and i guess you've also had the pleasure of speaking with a wide range of experts um so i'm kind of putting you on the spot here uh, but is there maybe like top two or three pieces of advice or knowledge or you know, information that you could share with listeners? Yeah. So one that I always reference back to um, came from a, uh, it was an interview that I did with um, Dr. Howard Schubiner. And he, he has gotten very, if you read, I think his book, his original book was from like 2012 or something like that. Um, 
And I read that book and I remember thinking, huh, this guy kind of seems like he's a little bit on the fence about a lot of, you know, what's CMS and what's not. But then in interviewing him, and as I've watched his language and his YouTube videos evolve over time, it seems like he is way more on the mind-body side than anything physical. And uh, he gave some really distinctive tips, quick tips, but um, ones that uh, he would talk about them on the pod, like situations where people could use to sort of self-diagnose or or determine if they have a mind-body issue or not. Um, And he was just so definitive. So an example would be like, he would say, if you have a injury or a, a pain issue, and it's not getting uh, better like day by day or week by week. If you're not getting, you know, if you're not feeling a little bit better than you were yesterday and you're not feeling a little bit better than you were two days ago. Uh, if it's just staying the same or getting worse then case closed, this is a mind body issue. And like, you know, that's pretty mind blowing, right? Because mm, people sort yes. of expect that these injuries and these issues are going to, are going to linger. You know, if you had a, I mean, I, I know people that got rear-ended uh, at 10 miles an hour, 10 or 12 years ago, and they're still talking about that issue in their neck or their back or whatever. Um, but according to one of the top doctors in the United States at Providence, uh, medical center in Detroit, he says that that's not the case. Um, so that's, I think a really big thing. Um, that's sort probably remind actually, you, I was going to say, sort of remind you of that country that didn't have whiplash that Sano talks about. Yeah. Lithuania. Talk. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, I definitely think about, um, I think about that and, what are some of the other cup that really is putting me on the spot? The Schubiner one for sure uh, is the one that I think about the most um, just because it is so, uh, you know, it's so defining. Um, Jeanette Barber, uh, who she was on, there was a 2020 special about Sarno in the late nineties. Um, and Jeanette Barber was the executive producer um, for the Rosie O'Donnell show, which at the time was the number one show in the United States, but she went and saw Sarno and I had her on the podcast. You know, she hasn't, Really, she did Rosie's XM, Sirius and XM show, I think, in the at the end of the 2000s, but people haven't really heard from her since then. Um, and I had her on the show, and, and she was just talking about how, you know, essentially, like, everything is an exemption from uh, an exemption of TMS um, to her in her life and how it's popped up time after time after time. And it still proves that the work that she did with Sarno in the 90s what has been the supreme answer for everything for her. Uh, so that's a lot of the the stuff that I always revert back to, but for sure the Schubiner part um, about things staying the same or getting worse, uh, really tipping you off, I'd say has been the most valuable. Mm, yeah, that is a really valuable, it is pretty mind blowing, but yeah. Okay, Eddie, well, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you today. I just have a few sort of concluding questions. Yeah, let's go. Um, should be short and quick, we'll see. So what would you say to listeners who are struggling with believing that mind-body work could help them? Um, I'm going to steal it from my buddy, Brad. And uh, one quote that he said recently um, about this stuff was, it does get better. Um, I think that that's a good rule of thumb. And um, I mean, honestly, if you're finding yourself believing in this stuff and doing a lot, you feel like you're doing the journaling, you feel like you're doing this and that and all these other things you're probably even doing too much. And so, uh, you know, to give yourself a little bit of a break and um, simpler in this case, I think is usually a lot better. Yeah, it does get better. And look for those little wins, the little, every little sign. Um, What are your top three resources that you would recommend to listeners? Um, So I, this is no particular order, but they're as they're coming to me. Uh, Thank you. 
I think it's thank you, drsarno.org. It's either the thank you, sarno.org or thank you, drsarno.org. But uh, it's a collection of letters that people wrote Sarno over the course of 20 years um, of saying, here's all the issues that I had and the things I couldn't do. And now I'm pain free. And it's like, there might be 200 stories and letters that are on this website that uh, that to me is the greatest resource that there could be. Um, secondly, I would say that it is the, uh, on the TMS wiki, Alan Gordon's recovery program, it's 21 days. Um, and I don't really think of it so much as like a program of things to do, but it's more like, you know, watch or read or listen to this lesson each day. And it's really just kind of absorbing or marinating yourself and, uh, really what this thing is. I think that doubt is really the biggest problem for a lot of people. And so, um, you know, like actually uh, being able to get over that or overcome that doubt is very challenging for people. Um, but if you can absorb yourself in something small and like an appetizer every day, I think that can be really positive. And then the third thing I would just say is like, get back to the maximum activity that you can possibly do um, and pushing yourself physically. And again, being able to get to a space of uh, hey, I did this activity and I didn't die is only going to increase your nervous system's capacity to keep doing things. Um, you're, you have to callous yourself a little bit. Um, and maybe that sounds like not as sensitive or empathetic as maybe people would want to hear. Um, but there was just a guy on a TMS group that I uh, monitor just a few minutes ago that, you know, he posted a hundred different symptoms that he's having. And I had said, this is you're writing way too much about symptoms. And um, he said, oh, do you, are, do you need me to delete the post? And I told him, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just saying that your headspace is so filled with all of your physical symptoms that like, that's the thing that you need to stop doing. And it's really holding you back. Yeah, the more you focus on it, the bigger it becomes. Yep. Yeah, that's really um, wonderful advice, Eddie. I actually do have one last question based on yeah. what you just said there. Um, so you mentioned that doubt is really big for people. And I think for me, um, the doubt was huge. And also because it's kind of like when you talk to your family and friends about this sort of stuff, they look at you like you're a bit crazy. Um, what are your family and, you know, close friends or, you know, what do people react when you talk about this sort of stuff? Um, I really don't anymore. Um, I stopped probably a year or two ago. Um, my, my wife, I can talk about this stuff all day with, and she seems interested at least, but she buys into <laughs> it. Um, she thinks that it's a legit thing. I mean, especially with the, I, I literally screenshot and send her every email I get from somebody. So she would be for, she'd be forced to listen to it. But, um, you know, I have family members that have struggled with pain issues for so long and I've, you know, I've given them the Sarno books and, um, they'll come back with, you know, that my pain is real, right. You know, that kind of stuff, which I, yeah, at first I, I took it like pretty personal because I kept thinking like, gosh, I was like, just, I was on, I was like on my knees and pain and talking about all these pills and stuff I was taking, you know, just three, four years ago. And, uh, and then all of a sudden that changed overnight. Like, I don't understand why that's why that, why there's no curiosity there. Mm. Um, but there's not. So I just don't, uh, I don't hound on it. I mean, um, I know that a lot of the family members that I have, uh, they know that I have this podcast that's doing quite well. Um, I mean, it's a, it's, it's been a tall task to have a podcast that uh, makes revenue every month. I think there's 30 current active monthly donors to it. Um, 
and then uh, usually an advertiser every other month will, you know, they'll purchase ad space in the, on the podcast. And the most recent one that I did, they emailed me and said they got a, actually a ton of traction business off of advertising on my podcast. Um, so I know that my family members are aware of this stuff, but they don't really, uh, add, they don't want to hear it. So um, I just don't really, I just don't talk about it. I wait for people to ask me. And if they want to ask me, I'll talk to them about it. Um, but if they don't, I'm not going to bring it up. So and I'm, I'm much happier that way because then I'm not, uh, I don't feel like I'm struggling to, to get people to understand. They'll, they'll show up when they want to. Yeah, I think that's a pretty solid piece of advice. I think as Nicole Sachs would say, true readiness is everything. Right. Totally. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Was there anything else you wanted to add? Uh, no, I think we, I think we covered it all. I'm, I'm yeah. satisfied. This was a lot of fun. Perfect. Thank you. I feel like I've met one of my celebrities today. So <laughs> <laughs> too kind. You're too kind. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show as much as I enjoyed recording it. Just a quick reminder, don't forget to like or follow the show on Facebook or Instagram. So at Let's Talk Mind Body Healing. You can send me a message on either of those platforms if you have any uh, comments or anything you would like to say. I've had a few people messaging me now and it always brings such a smile to my face um, when you do. And it's really nice to see that people are enjoying the show so far. Um, don't forget to give it a review as well uh, if you have time. And yeah, that's it. Uh, Thanks so much for listening and I will see you next time. Bye-bye.